Welcome to the fifth episode of the Hoover City Schools Student Wellbeing Podcast, the Roots and Wings Podcast. My name is Brian Rogers, and I'm a licensed mental health counselor here with Hoover City Schools. And I'm Candace Van Wonderham, the District Mental Health Specialist for Hoover City Schools. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. This podcast is meant to be a resource for parents tasked with raising resilient and courageous children in a world with great uncertainty at times. It is simply a monthly conversation focusing on relevant issues facing parents and guardians today. Our time together is composed of mental health professionals and other professionals from throughout the Hoover City School District. Thank you for joining our conversation. We encourage you to please tell your friends about us and leave feedback by emailing us at the addresses in the episode notes. Today, our guest is Jeff Richardson, a technology and integration specialist for Hoover City Schools. Welcome and thank you for joining us in this important conversation. Thank you for having me today. Well, today we're going to be talking about finding balance with social media. It's a very important topic because it affects children of all ages and adolescents as well, uh, especially adolescents. Uh, but it seems like it's something that affects so many areas of their life, both academically, socially, developmentally. Uh, one of the statistics I saw that said U.S. children under the age of two are spending an average of 42 minutes per day with screen media. Um, that's, that's an incredible time for someone that young and, and when I see it I kind of cringe because I know that it's playing a toll on their mental development and, and uh, attention span. You know and today we're talking about balance but we're also talking about concerns for our kids mental health when it comes to social media and technology and Jeff your actual job is to integrate technology into our student lives and our teachers lives um, can you share a little bit more about how you help finding that balance? What your concerns are? What maybe some of the benefits you see? Um, you know, as a, as a school district, we're very blessed because we have um, gone one to one when it comes to technology. We give every student um, third grade and up, and I think maybe at this point with some of our elementary, uh, I can't I, I can't remember what what grade they adopted as K-2. far as. I, uh, K2, everybody gets them. Um, so everybody gets a Chromebook. And, and I know being on the team that I'm on that serves specifically um, that integration of, of not only Chromebooks but technology into teaching and learning, um, we, have, we have had to prepare ourselves as a team and, and therefore prepare our teachers um, and, and our learners, our, our kids, um, what it really means to have the technology as a tool and, and how to find that balance. And one of the things that we've done is we've been strategic in partnering with Common Sense Education to get our district certified. And that's something that we've been doing for the last several years is, is implementing their program, um, K-12, to ensure that, that our teachers are getting some formal training and awareness as it, as it relates to technology as a tool for, for teaching and learning as well as um, the concerns that come with that, you know, helping students balance the time and and then also for our students we do we do formal lessons with our students um, whether it's high school students figuring out how to manage digital drama Um, I know that's one of the lessons that we we do to helping them develop an online presence that promotes what an intelligent skilled talented young person they are that can be part of a a digital resume that's going to go before them as they apply for college or a job or whatever. Um, Common Sense Education helps do that and then down to middle schoolers uh, developing the skill set to evaluate news resources. How do they 
uh, balance their time. One of the one of the lessons that that I've done in the past with kids that I've I found um, very eye opening for the students was we asked them for a twenty four hour period to record their media uses, not just cell phones or, or Chromebooks, but anything, anything media. Yeah. Um, listening to music on their, you know, on the they don't listen to the radio. <laughs> I about said listen to music on the radio. Yeah. Um, watch TV, device, yeah. Netflix, you know, they don't even say TV anymore. It's, oh, we were watching Netflix, you know, yeah. whereas our generation, it's like, what'd you watch on TV? Um, but but they come in the next day after having recorded that for 24 hours and they, and they sort of have that self-realization that, wow, I spend, some of them, um, I spend, I spent seven hours on media and, and three of those hours may have been doing schoolwork, right? But they were still on media. So um, common sense education is a tool that, that we use and a resource that we use as a district overall to help um, find that balance. But, but then on the more granular level, um, as a team, we help teachers develop resources that are, that are hopefully gonna leverage the technology, but the goal is to find the balance. Okay, we want students working in Google Classroom or whatever that is and, and getting valid quality education, but it can't be 100% digital all the time. So there is value in, in pencil and paper at times. There is value in, hey, we need to have a face-to-face conversation, even if it's using a digital tool. Yeah. Um, it, it can't just always be asynchronous. Like, let's have a Google Meet where we can see each other face-to-face and we can talk about, you know, what's going on in our lives. And that's one way that teachers can connect with students. And, and that's very much part of the new norm, right? We, mm-hmm. we, we just have to realize that, that we're going to spend more time in these meetings and, and we're going to be doing more virtual face-to-face communication. Um, and so with that, it, it brings about the challenge. How do we balance that with... Um, all the other things competing for our time. So uh, there's not a one-size-fits-all perfect answer to any of these questions. Um, but kind of related to, to what you said, one of the big concerns uh, talking about balance is, is the article talking about time committed to online activity versus other important activities that affect positive mental health, whether it's sleep, yeah. schoolwork. Um, as I mentioned, you know, kids... Kids have a tendency to want to stay connected all the time, and so maybe that for, for one who who has their own device that they're allowed to take in their room, they will they will set it to either ping in the middle of the night if they get a notification, or maybe they put it on silent but it'll vibrate. And I've actually had kids tell me they sleep with it under their pillow, and so that's that's um, it's that fear of missing out. Absolutely, absolutely. FOMO, for those <laughs> yeah, of you who are not familiar, fear of missing out. And that's a real, a very real thing. It doesn't matter if I've never experienced it. And, and as a parent, I can't discount that for my child who says, hey, I have this and it creates anxiety in me. Um, but helping them get to the point to realize, hey, phone under the pillow is interrupting your sleep. If you don't get quality sleep, you're going to struggle tomorrow in school. They may not put two and two together. But as a parent or as a teacher who hears, hey, I heard you saying you were up at two this morning, you know, texting with somebody. Like, let's talk about how that is is not good for you. Mm-hmm. you know, well, we really they, saw that with the digital learning transition last spring we, when people would, you know, post assignments at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. Yeah. You know, the impact on sleep is tremendous and that has a direct impact on student mental health. Um, and just the amount of time that kids spend on these devices. It's, it's almost doubled over the past three years where they feel like they're always connected. And if not, they feel like 
you know, anxiety just well up in them because they, they have that fear that they're missing out on something. And, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that point up as far as when students were posting assignments. One of the default times may be 12 a.m. So if, the, if a teacher creates an assignment with a due date and it may create the, the default yeah. turn-in time is 12 a.m., well, a student who's a procrastinator <laughs> may push that to the very top, you know. So, so I've encouraged teachers, hey, set that time at limit 8 PM or something. At, at 8 or 9 p.m., something that's more reasonable so that a student that is a procrastinator is not going to be up at, at 11 o'clock on a school night cramming that assignment in. Um, you know, but, you know, again, that's a that's a balance that, that is something that we all have to work on. I mean, that's a community thing. From well, I think it's communication. Teachers. It begins at that communication as a, from a parent standpoint. What are what are the expectations? What are the norms? It, it's it's when when are we on our devices? How do we use them? Um, and those that are first giving their kids devices, it begins that discussion. How do we use those in a healthy way? Um, there are many pluses to it, but there's many ways it affects people negatively. So having that conversation about it, what are our family rules uh, as to using it? You know, I think it can begin as simple as all right during dinner, no phones. You know, everyone put them down. Um, or at restaurants, how many times do you go to a restaurant and everyone's sitting around the table on their device, and it's just uh, creating that lack of communication, the lack of uh, social bonding in a way, and uh, kind of. They feel it. They identify it as a connectedness, but it's really a withdrawal in a way. Yeah. You know, you brought up a, a really important point too, Brian. You know, there may be family and family rules, but there really are no norms that guide our, our use of technology, our social media. Right? We talk about following traffic rules, and I think somebody brought up you know following gun gun control rules, but there are no rules. You know, we have to really make them up as we go. We're making sometimes we're making them up as we go, and sometimes it's easier for some than others. And I think communication is really important, even communication um, with other parents, trying to create some of those norms in our community. And and um, as a generation, you know, our teachers, for the most part, I mean, we have some we have some younger teachers that have grown up with a yeah. lot of this in their hands from a fairly young age. But a lot of us probably listening to this podcast did not grow up with a cell phone as a main form of communication and, and just access to all the different things that digital brings. And so um, that, that really makes it incumbent upon us as a community to have these conversations because there are no norms. I can't say, well, when I was your age, this is what we did. That's not going to fly with a kid who doesn't understand what things were like when my age. I have to begin to understand what things are like for them at their age. For instance, we mentioned before FOMO. It would be very easy for me when I put on my parent hat to say, FOMO, get over it. This is what we're doing. (laughs) Put your phone up. Um, but, But my child may be really experiencing some serious anxiety. Sure. And, and some peer pressure because they see that, that this is happening at this time and they're not able to digitally participate in it, whether it's commenting on an Instagram post for an event that's happening or, or whatever that thing is. Um, that, that that sense of anxiety and wherever that may lead to, that, that may cause them to act out in another way. And, and I need to begin to wrap my brain around that as, as a parent or even a teacher, you know, to kids, kids, Every time I go in a bathroom at school, 
there is a student in that bathroom on their phone. Yeah. As soon as the kids walk out of the classroom, their phones come out because they need to know what just happened in the last 50 minutes when they're in their classroom because they aren't allowed to have their phones out of the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a rule across across our schools unless it's being used. Unless the, the teachers can accommodate that under ex- special circumstances. But for the most part, they are to be put up and then they can check them. But, you know, and, and it's not the good kids and the bad kids it's all the kids they are they are um, experiencing a lot of these things for the first time and and that's a very real um that's a very real part of their world that we have to even if we don't agree with it even if we don't understand it we have to validate it for them to the point that they know hey we're listening and we understand that that turning the phone off at the dinner table is maybe creating you some anxiety but let's talk about why that particular thing is a problem. What is it that's created? You know, and 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 again, putting on my parent hat, like that that may be a hard conversation. My child may not want to open up to me about that, but but I've got to keep pressing into that to try to find some answers so that I can help them better um, create boundaries for themselves rather than just saying, okay, well, if this is creating a problem. I'm just taking the phone. Right? I, I mean, always feel like sometimes if they're not ready to, to participate in those conversations, they're always ready to absorb. One of the one of the good ways you can facilitate those conversations is watching a um, program together that talks about the issue. One that was really popular on Netflix last year was called The Social Dilemma. And it is interesting because it talks about how all of this technology was designed to get its hooks into you and to trigger those you know, pleasure sensors and the timing and everything is down to a science where it is created to be addictive. And when they see that, it begins that discussion, you know, because we've all had those times when we hear a ping go off and we're, you know, you feel the anxiety build because you might be in a meeting and can't check it or you have the phantom Yeah, the phantom vibration in the pocket when your phone isn't even in your pocket. I mean, I've experienced that numerous times. But it's all directly tied to, to the mental health consequences of it. I mean, I think since 2007, one of the statistics I saw that said that um, children aged 10 to 24, suicide rates went up 56% during that period. 56%. Wow. I mean, that's incredible. The reason they, they kind of set that time period aside is because that's when the prevalence of smartphones uh, came around 2007 is when they were introduced. You know, when you say 10-year-old, you know, we have to think about that's a fifth grader. I mean that just that just is always mind blowing when we talk about that that ten year old age group, and and I know we focused a lot on cyberbullying when we talked about social media and and suicide, but it's 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 gone beyond that. It's the anxiety that we raise when a student hasn't gotten enough likes on their post, or they're looking at somebody else's life and they're saying, "I don't live up to that," because we know that that our you know our kids and even a lot of adults are posting the best or they're using filters, and the self-esteem of our kids is being affected, and the anxiety is, is increasing, and the depression is increasing. So it's just it's an astronomical number problem, that you're saying yeah. 54%. Well, there's that, that famous quote that says, comparison is the thief of joy, and it's so true in the social media mm-hmm. world. I mean, they're comparing themselves apples and oranges to things that aren't even realistic. Well, and... And it's important to include ourselves in the day. Yeah. I mean, yes, that's true. Adults are just as just as susceptible to that as, as young people are. I mean, adults are probably on Facebook, where kids are doing the yeah. comparisons on Instagram or TikTok. Or man, that video, I, I, I can't dance like that. that. That's why I'm not on TikTok. I don't know how to dance, so I'm not going to make a fool of myself, right? So, um, you know, they're experiencing 
adults are experiencing that and you know wanting to as we used to say keep up with the joneses and it's it's the same thing but it's i think it's infinitely amplified for what they experience because they have been thrust into this space with so much access to to use the analogy of they've been given the keys to the car which which is an incredibly huge responsibility with inherent danger every time we get behind the wheel. You know, we can buckle up, we can do the best thing that we can do to keep keep it between the lines, but that doesn't stop the person on the other side from not following all the rules or not making the best choices. And and they have been have been given the license to drive, if you will, some of them way too early. And and the end result, just as if you give the keys to a 10-year-old, is probably not going to end well because they've been exposed. They have, they have um, been, been forced, not a lot of times under their own volition, to deal with things or to see things or to experience things that they're just not prepared to deal with. Well, they're just not so, developmentally there. They, I mean... On a lot of levels. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's part of the challenge is what do we do? You know, how is how do we as parents help prepare our children? And I think it begins with dialogue. It begins with some boundaries. Um, it begins with uh, proper modeling. It's hard to say, you know, oh, don't be on your phone all the time. If guess what, you're on your phone all the time. You know, yeah. It's it's one thing to say don't text and drive if you're always doing the yeah. same. Right. So modeling those behaviors, making small changes, uh, make starting out with the no phones at the dinner table or no phones at the restaurant. Um, setting that time when uh, setting the charging station for their phone to be in a whole different room than their bedroom so that they have at least that eight hour period that they're asleep ideally uh, that, that they don't have to worry about that well and, and Brian and Jeff let's talk a little bit about the fact that when some parents start making some of these small changes you know our kids you know can really start acting out behaviorally they can start having some social emotional and mental issues when that becomes pervasive, what can we tell our parents? What what tips can we give them about when it becomes a problem, and how how can we help them address that? How can we support them as a school system? Well, I think it begins with the fact that the way you present it, the relationship has to be there first of all, or else you're setting up uh, rules that are just arbitrary. You know, so consistency, uh, including them in that discussion, like Jeff said, talking about why we do these things and 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 why it's in their best interest and and not making those decisions as that authoritarian but including them in on the discussion including them in on the process if it gets beyond that part where you're starting to see physical signs of anxiety and stress uh, our school counselors are excellent resources for that every school's got counselors that work with the students there and have a rich network of people that can provide help for that uh, but again I think it it's it's those small changes at first uh, to begin talking about it, not just from a social media or a technology standpoint, but an overall health and well-being standpoint, because it ties into all of that. I, I, and, and I'll let you both as the mental health professionals speak more to the, to the latter part of that. Once it's gotten to the point where a child, when, when trying to rein back in some of, these, some of, some of this usage and access um, can create a lot of stress and anxiety, but... but from a proactive standpoint, um, uh, Brian, you used the word boundaries. And, and when I put on my parent hat, I think one of the hardest things that we do as parents is establish the boundaries and then enforce the boundaries. And, and 
depending on the age of our kids, I think, man, at a young age, those boundaries need to be put in place and and consistently addressed. And, and if the, as things change, then address, okay, where do we need to move this boundary? Or, or whoa, now we've added, okay, we've added a device in the mix, but we're still going to keep the boundary at no social media because social media says you have to be 13 to have a Twitter or yeah. Instagram. So, so we're going to let let the rule there be the boundary. Yeah. Um, but then once they once they do, you decide to move the boundary. Okay, we're going to let you have social media. But but at that point, okay, then then we're going to check the phone on the regular. Yeah. We're going to have this is going to be an open thing because just like if I give you the keys to the car. I want to make sure that that you're doing it safely, and and in some well, cases, the same as if that trust is violated with the car. Yeah, they got to kind of earn the trust back, yeah. and you might put a tracker on it, or you might do whatever you need to. The same with social media or anything. You know, it's and, always, you know. And that's what's important about that discussion with your child um, is that trust and is that checking the phone because we know we cannot keep up with the apps that are constantly being yeah. developed that reel our kids in. Because our kids are not on Facebook and, and some of the Twitters with, with the rules, they're developing apps almost daily that, that reel our kids in because we know that's you know, our predators focus on those. So I think you're exactly right, Jeff. I think talking about those boundaries and letting them know ahead of time this is what we're going to do and why we're going to do it, I think is very important. It, um, it, I know at this point in the conversation, and for those listening, it, it may be, oh my gosh, this, this can almost, from a parent's perspective, seem a bit overwhelming because it's very easy as a parent to think, wow, I'm so behind. Maybe my child is too far gone. I didn't really set any boundaries. What can I do? Do I just dismiss it all? Wow, everybody's doing it. There's so many challenges that we can face as parents and, and as teachers, as educators as well. Um, that that can that can sort of put us in that place where we're, we're just gonna we're just gonna kind of put our head in the sand and just hope that the train stays on the track um, and and to put it in a context at least this is how this is how I've chosen to process it not only in my own family but when I talk to kids at school um, whether we're doing digital citizenship or I'm in a, in a classroom addressing a specific topic um, is, is looking at this as character education because character ed, because our kids' character is the thing that's undergirding the decision they make about putting the phone under the pillow um, and, and interrupting their sleep. It's, it's the decision to send that picture that could land them labeled as a child sex offender. That is, that is not a technology issue. That is not a phone issue. That is a character issue. Yeah. And so as parents, if we, can, if we can bring this to that level to where we are talking with our kids about who is it that you are, that you want to be, what are your goals, how do, you, how do you see yourself getting there, how can I support you, these are the most important qualities about you that are going to determine when that text message comes across, how are you going to respond. Hey, we value not using bad language at our home. So when someone texts you and they're cursing, <laughs> is it okay to curse back? Well, it's on the text message. Okay, well now yeah. that, that's a gray area. Well, really it's not if you say that you're somebody who doesn't use that language. So helping them be mature enough. And, and 
being mature, I mean, that's a growth. It is. A, this is all a process, and I love that you use the the taking step. I mean, this is small steps, yeah. and, and nobody is nobody. The cat is too far out of the bag that we can't reel some of this back in. It may be more challenging for some than others, depending on how um, you know strong-willed our children are. Because I've got well, one the, of those. The truth as well. is, it when when my children were all born at St. Vincent's, I didn't get a manual. Absolutely. <laughs> And boy, things have changed since I would have gotten it anyway. But we're all kind of learning on the fly. We're doing our best. We're yeah. trying to raise children that are going to make good decisions as adults. And, and again, character being central. And I think that's a good way to couch this. What puts you out there in the best light? Because if not, if you have values that are up at a high level and behaviors that aren't matching up with that, the gap in between becomes depression, anxiety, stress, yeah. all the all the negative things that impact us physically and, and mentally and spiritually. Um, and not to mention the the outward consequences yes. <laughs> of some of those choices. I mean, some of our you know our kids need to be made aware that hey, the things that you do here can can affect your potential work future, your your ability to interact in relationships. It can, it can even land you in handcuffs. And I, I mean, tell students that all the time. I said at some point on the road, you're going to be applying for a job. You're going to be a great candidate, but guess what? Someone else is going to be too. They're going to look at your online digital footprint and go, oh, I don't know if we want to associate our brand with this yeah. stuff that's out there. And the other choice becomes easier. So it can be used as a tool for positivity to promote yourself. Like we said, athletes do it all the time. They get coaching on presenting themselves in the best light for their skills, their philanthropies, their uh, charisma, uh, and it increases their worth. The same can be with our kids. Uh, that's a great point because there are benefits. Oh yeah, social I, media and technology. I use the analogy when I talk to students. I say, social media, digital, is an is a is a neutral tool. It is a hammer, as if I had it sitting right here on the table, and I can use that hammer to fix a roof that's leaking, and I can use that hammer to bash in somebody's windshield. The hammer the tool. <laughs> is the tool, and it is how we leverage it and use it mm -hmm. to, to to show ourselves in a positive light or to constantly feel like we've got to be looking over our shoulder because we know what we did compromised some boundary that, that either our parents or we've set for ourselves. Yeah. And, and it's so much easier to live with that clean conscience, not feeling like, oh my gosh, I've got to, got to make sure nobody gets a hold of my phone. Um, so Great visual. Well, I feel you like know? we've got... Um had so many great areas we've kind of gone into with this topic. It's one we could talk about for hours, I believe. Uh, I always like to include some resources for parents when we wrap up. Uh, one that I'm going to put in our episode notes is internetmatters.org. Internetmatters.org has so many great tips for those getting new into technology and social media to those further along the line. So check that out, internetmatters.org. And Jeff, I believe you had a great resource as well. Yeah, one that's online is um, commonsensemedia.org. And they're sort of a, a leading organization, um, very unbiased toward equipping parents with not only the resources, um, but the encouragement to, to do this and to do it well, for, whether it's how to have courageous conversations with your kids around social media, to they have a fabulous app where you can search up a movie um, or an app or social media tool, and it'll tell you, hey, this is appropriate for kids 13 and up. Here, at 23 minutes into the movie, this is a conversation that happens. It even gives you resources as a parent to say, if you watch this movie with your kids, here are some good discussion points That's to have awesome. afterward. Mm -hmm. And 
and really, that's a that's a powerful it's a tool resource. As well. Absolutely, yeah. And, yeah. and they and they, like I said, not only can you get it on the computer, but they have a fabulous app that that on the go. If your kid asks you something, you could search up a movie and say, "Oh yeah, that's that's appropriate for us for us to watch." Or no, we need to make other plans because we're not going to watch it, or, or I don't want you to be you know to be doing that. And then um, another resource that uh, you know for for our Hoover community is is every one of our schools has one of me. Not, not, not to mention uh, an amazing team of counselors that support all of our students, but there are also technology integration specialists at all of our schools. And at this point in time, all of our teachers are heavily steeped in technology. So if, if you are noticing things or you just have questions or concerns as a parent, always feel open to reach out to your kid's teacher via email. Um, you can look on the school website and find my information if your kids at Hoover High School or um, there's a coach at every school that you can reach out directly to to maybe ask hey we're dealing with this do you have any resources that I can use as a parent or um, we love those kind of emails absolutely <laughs> absolutely to um, just asking questions you know and, and on that just to, to wrap up like let's just keep the conversation going yeah we're none of us are in this alone Mm-hmm. Um, you may feel alone in it. You may feel like you're the only parent dealing with some of these things. And some of these things are very touchy and, and really maybe even hard to talk about. But I can promise you, you are not alone. There are other parents dealing with with some of the the ugliest things in this space. And, and really, the way we're going to get through it is to support one another and to come alongside each other and, and know that, that we are a community that wants to see our kids leverage technology for the better to use that tool not only to help themselves but ultimately to help the community and I think we can do that if we if we lean into some of these hard conversations as, as parents in a community we can do this yeah absolutely um, you know guys these are really great resources and we are all in this together and we do need to support each other and our community um, I want to thank you both Jeff and Brian for joining us today about this really important topic uh, please provide us feedback Please use the resources that we include in episode notes. We love to have you here with us every month, and hopefully we will see you next month. Thank you.